I don't bite typically, so I might hug, but I don't bite, so feel free to introduce yourself. We are starting a new series this week called In East Tennessee As It Is in Heaven, and I love, you did it. I, I, I didn't know for sure if David was actually going to do this or not with the checkerboard, but he did it. And I think, I have to say, even though I'm not a Tennessee fan, it looks pretty good. But um, we, uh, we would love to spend about four weeks talking about what does it look like for us to live in the kingdom, kingdom of God on earth. Because I know a lot of people are just like me in that you may not have known for some time that God's kingdom is on earth. Uh, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is on earth, and so what does it look like for us to live in the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? Uh, Jesus says this in Luke 17, 20. He says, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. So when Jesus comes to the earth, he brings God's kingdom to the earth With him, and it's not the kind of kingdom that the Pharisees of the day were thinking that it might be. It is a kingdom that transcends any other kind of kingdom or any other kind of rule or time period. See, this kingdom you could be a part of this kingdom if you were a part of the Roman oppression or leadership, or you could be a part of this kingdom if you were an oppressed Jew. See, other kingdoms ruled by domination, but the kingdom of God rules by invitation. And this kingdom transcends government affiliation or any other kind of kingdom in the world. In Romans 14, Paul says that the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. His kingdom might not be literally seen, but it is a kingdom nonetheless that has power that is far greater than any kingdom that the world has ever seen. We'll talk in this series about what it looks like to live in this kingdom, to enter into a fullness of life living in the kingdom of God that is at hand now. See, the the goal of Jesus was that his kingdom would break barriers that no other kingdom had broken before. In fact, we see this in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus has resurrected and the disciples ask the question. They say, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus' response essentially is, hey, if you're asking about power, you will receive power, the Holy Spirit. But there are no positions in this kingdom. There is power in this kingdom, but no positions. In fact, this kingdom is going to be so much further reaching than any kingdom. It's not just going to be in Israel. It's going to be in Rome, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus' goal was to grow this kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And ultimately, Jesus says that one day there will be a final reconciliation between heaven and earth. Whether it's when I'm done with, before I'm done with this message or 10 billion years from now, one day heaven and earth will be reconciled together again. And now I say reconciliation because there, there was a time where heaven and earth did have perfect unity together in the Garden of Eden. And our 
sin uh, created sort of different dwelling places where heaven and earth were separated. But even then, in God's grace in the Old Testament, what they would do is they would create these temples to sort of serve as a symbolism of the Garden of Eden. And they would want to enter those temples so that they could enter God's kingdom here on earth. But there was still a problem. And it was that they still had sin in their hearts. So what they would do is they would sacrifice an animal. They would put all their sins on that animal. And then they would go back into the temple to hopefully enter into the kingdom of God on earth. So you had to have a temple and a temple sacrifice to enter into God's presence. And y'all, this is what is so amazing to me about Jesus is that Jesus comes and he makes his dwelling place, and that word dwelling means to to make a temple. He makes his dwelling place here on earth, and then on the cross he becomes that temple sacrifice so that we now can enter into the presence of God and enter his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And so now Jesus desires to create more and more little pockets of heaven here on earth, and our desire, our goal, because we don't know when that day will come that he will uh, restore and reconcile heaven and earth, our goal is to learn how to live in God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Revelation shows us a prophecy that one day there will be a, a restoration. It's in Revelation 22, 1 through 5. It says this. It says, Then the angel showed me water of life river, crystal bright, It flowed from the throne of God and the Lamb right down the middle of the street. The tree of life was planted on each side of the river, producing 12 kinds of fruit, a ripe fruit each month. The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations. Never again will will anything be cursed. The throne of God and the Lamb is at the center. His servants will offer God service, worshiping. They'll look on His face, their foreheads mirroring God. Never again will there be any night. No one will need lamplight or sunlight. The shining of God, the master, is all the light anyone needs. And they will rule with him age after age after age. So we're in this already but not yet space, as I like to call it, right? We're already in the kingdom of God. His kingdom is here on earth as it is in heaven, but... But we're not there yet to complete reconciliation between uh, heaven and earth. So we've got to learn what it looks like to live here in God's kingdom that transcends every other kingdom that we're a part of. Now one more thing I want to mention before we get a little bit more practical. Uh, It's important that we know that fullness of life in God's kingdom requires that we understand that God has a part in this and we have a part to play too. Now, God's part is a lot bigger than our part is, right? But we have a part to play in this too. Uh, Dallas Willard once said this. He said, grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Now, you'll hear me uh, quote Dallas Willard quite often in this series, not just because he has a great first name, but because because he did a series like this and um, had some really good things to say. But, um, But there's effort involved when we live in the kingdom of God, right? There's effort involved. Um, This may be a gift that's been granted to us, but in order to have the fullness of life that God wants to grant to us, there is effort involved and we have a role to play. So, what is our part? 
Well, if you're taking notes, it is this first and foremost. Living in the kingdom of God is to enter into the character of God as well as the power of God. To enter into the character of God as well as the power of God. We must not assume the manifest power of God without also entering into his character. And I would contend that it is seemingly impossible to enter the power of God without also entering his character. There's just a few examples that we find in the scriptures where this happens. We, we do see Jonah. Uh, if you ever read the story of Jonah, I mean, he, there is no willingness on his part. And God just kind of goads him along and he's frustrated the whole time. That's one example. Or you take the Apostle Paul where, where God has kind of set him apart for this mission, he uh, encounters just this bright light um, and encounters Jesus on the road, and there didn't seem to be any preempted willingness on his part. God just kind of set him apart. But aside from these couple and maybe a couple more examples, it is entering into the character of God and the power of God, these things working together. And y'all, this is why decisions like forgiveness are so important for us as disciples of Jesus. Why? Because we enter into the character of God when we do some of these things that are against our nature, like forgiveness, like seeking peace, like loving and praying for our enemies. These are great ways for us to enter into the character of God. And when we enter into his character, we are then prepared to receive his power. It's a type of humility rooted in the fact that we know that our will and our desires are insufficient to actually fulfill the purposes of life. And that God's will and God's character are needed in order for us to fulfill those things. It's the repentance of the tax collector. The saying, God, I have wrecked things completely. I need your mercy in my life. I align myself with your character and your power, and I'm depending on you. That's what allows him then to be open to utilizing the power of God. It's the humility of someone like Zacchaeus that is willing to climb up a tree in order to just get a glimpse of Jesus that aligns his heart to then best be able to receive the power that Jesus desires to give him. A few years back, I was working at a church, and um, there was a lady who was caught in adultery. And she, she really wanted reconciliation. She wanted the marriage to work, and she, she wanted God to work through that situation, which is a big deal, you know, because a lot of people, when they get caught in sin, especially something like adultery, they, they don't want to reconcile. So this was a great step. However, upon talking to her, I realized that there were some places that she was unwilling to go. That she had never told her parents why there were such issues in the relationship and that she was unwilling to because of her fear. She would not allow the truth to be fully present in the, in the discussion. See, we should not desire for God's power to be manifest without also being willing to enter into his character. And I would contend that it's even possibly dangerous to ask for his power without 
a willingness to enter into his character because he does do things like move mountains. And if we're asking him to move mountains, we ought to ask him to move those mountains into the right places. And we do that by entering into his character. If God had granted this woman the power of reconciliation in the relationship, but her heart had never aligned to, to God, to have a humility to say, here's what I've done, I'm going to expose this thing, then it would have created, I think, more trauma in the relationship. More pain. There was a kid involved. More prolonged pain in the relationship because we've got to submit to the character of God and ask for his power and ask for his power. Y'all, there's no substitute for aligning our hearts to the character of God fully in every aspect of our lives. We can't categorize it. This woman told me, she said, uh, I am willing to give more, to serve more, to faithfully attend church, but I cannot deal with this one thing. I can't expose this thing fully. But if we know the character of God, we know that this is simply just not how he operates, is it? And I did the same thing with my panic. I said, God, I, listen, I'll, I'll do lots of different things, but I am not sharing this detail in my life because it is just too embarrassing. I'll, I'll give more. I'll serve more. I'll be kinder to my wife, which we all know there's room to grow there, right? I'm happy to do that, right? But I will not expose this thing. But we talked a few weeks ago about how God loves to work in the biggest messes. That in fact, it is that very thing that we're ashamed of that he desires for us to go ahead and give him so that he can use that thing for great things ahead. Y'all, my story has been one of the best things for other people, for myself, to grow in my relationship with Jesus. When those things are finally exposed, not just the easier things, but the hardest things, the things that we're so embarrassed by, man, God can go to work with those things. We've got to align ourselves with God's character in everything that we do and ask, and ask for his power. Now, I'm not saying that, that God won't work without our willingness and I'm also not saying that just because we align ourselves to God's character that he will change the situation. All I'm saying here today is that these two things work best when they're together. To align ourselves with God's character and to ask for his power. Uh, another way to say this would be that holiness, um, holiness and power are not exclusive. That when we... Um, want to live a holy life, when we desire to live a holy life, we need God in order to do that, right? We need his power in order to live a holy life, and his power is best utilized in our lives when we pursue a life of holiness. It's holiness and power. It's character and power, both working and flowing together. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in Mark chapter 11. There's a great example of this when Jesus curses a fig tree for not bearing fruit. And then the disciples, they see this tree the next day and they say, Jesus, isn't this the tree you cursed yesterday? It was dead by its roots already and they were shocked by that. It was some sort of supernatural act that had taken place. So they said, how in the world 
was it dead by its roots so quickly? And this is Jesus' response in verse 22. He says, have faith in God. Now that word faith, I'd love for us to think about that as confidence. Confidence. Have confidence in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Now, a couple things that this is not saying. First, it is not saying that if you have faith, then God will reward you with power for everything that you desire. It is also not saying that we have to get everything right before we come to Him. And it's also not saying that we earn forgiveness when we forgive others. It's simply showing us that there's power in the name of Jesus beyond our comprehension that we can access. And what's the best way to access this power? It's to move into his character. See, it seems like in verse 25 that Jesus is going into a whole new topic here. He says, all right, have faith. uh, And if you have faith, it will move mountains. And then in verse 25, he he says, um, uh, and when you pray, forgive. So it sounds like there's a transition, but what's actually happening is these two things are working really well together. Because what he's saying is there's power in the name of Jesus, and what's the best way to encounter this power in the way that you're supposed to? It's by entering into his character. Forgiveness is a great way to enter into the character of God. So it's power and it's character both together. He says, when you pray, forgive. Why do you forgive? Because if you're asking for God's power, you've got to also align yourself with his character. Uh, one of the things that Dallas Willard said that I, I found uh, so astounding is that he said, uh, mountains are easier to move than our character. And he said, at least with mountains... You can take bulldozers and you can take different equipment and you can scrape away at mountains little by little. But with our character, you can't really bulldoze your character. Maybe you've tried to bulldoze someone's character. I don't know, but it's difficult to do, right? Character is really hard to move. That's why it is our part to align ourselves with the character of God. I think, um, y'all, I could, do, I could do many things. I could preach a good message. I could you know, memorize the Bible. I could speak in tongues. I could even know all, the full character of God. But if I don't take the step to actually uh, move myself towards the character of God, I really haven't done anything, have I? That's why this is our part here, to move towards the character of God Where have you not aligned yourself with God's character here this morning? Have you got bitterness in your heart today? Have you got sins or or jealousy or different things that that you're holding on to? Are you withholding obedience to Him in any parts of your life? Are there things that you've done that maybe you're really ashamed about that you've said for a long time, I just can't expose 
this thing. We have got to expose that thing so that we can align ourselves with the character of God and move forward in our lives. Y'all, today is a great day to give ourselves over to the power of God by entering into the character of God and then asking for His power. I want to say one more thing before we get back into worship. Uh, We ought not take this message today to mean that we've got to get it all right before we come to Him and ask Him to work. I think God likes for us to come to him just as we are. You see the story of the prodigal son, and one of the things that I never really thought about until this week is that the father does not ask the son to take a shower before he gives him a hug. I mean, this dude was rolling around with pigs for who knows how long, and the father embraces him and comes alongside of him and in fact says, we've got to celebrate. First thing, we got to celebrate. And this is the character of the father that we have that says, look, you don't have to get everything right, just bring that thing to me. Bring it all. Bring everything into my presence. What is that thing today that we've been unwilling to bring to him into his presence? Y'all, worship team's going to come up and we're going to spend some time in worship. I want to leave you with this. You don't have to get rid of it before you go to him. You just have to bring it to him. And y'all, I think we've asked for God to move mountains in our lives. And I think we should continue to ask God to move mountains in our lives. But we shouldn't just settle for the mountains. We should also ask God to move our character as well. To align our character with his character. And watch what he does. Y'all, during this time of worship, um, if you need to respond by coming down to the altar, um, you can join me there because God has revealed in my heart some selfishness that I need to bring to him and align with his character. So I'll be here. And if anybody else needs to as well, now's your time to respond. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the way that you continue to bring um, truth to our, our hearts when we've read something maybe you know several times but yet your spirit does something in us that, um, that when we're kind of open and available and like try to just move towards you that you, you meet us in that space and um, Father I pray that you will just create in us hearts that desire to align ourselves with you in all that we do. And Father, I pray that if there's anybody in here who's never given themselves to you, I pray this morning for a courage and a boldness and Holy Spirit invasion in their life that you will just take over and give them new life in you because it is a great life that you've offered to us. And Father, if there are chains that have been there for years and years and years, I pray this morning that you'll give the boldness and the courage to just say, I'm done with the chains. I align myself to your character, Father, and I ask for your power to break these chains. Father, you are a chain breaker and you continue to break chains. And I pray for a little bit of belief this morning.
little bit of belief. Maybe there's been a uh, lethargic nature in here, a numbness because there's been a lack of belief. And I pray today that you'll create in us a belief, a renewed sense of understanding that you are our Father and you could do anything. Father, I pray for a church that has hearts of worship. They would just praise your name and that we won't forget how good you've been to us because you are good and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.